Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unwiring Minds. This is Raquel Pazbergia, your host, and today we have Dr. Ray and Jean Kodian. They are relationship experts and coaches, and they're here to explain the impacts of relationships on both our mental and physical health, and I'll let you get right to it. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast, Raquel. This has been, this is really a, a, a great honor. Um, you know, we've been working with couples for over 20 years. It was actually the, the start of our company and our relationship. We've been married for 25 years. And so our whole bread and butter and, and whole focus on, on our career and life is about relationships. And relationships are really important because they impact us in many ways, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. It's no surprise that among the top 10 stressors that a human being can go through, there's the divorce of a spouse, is getting married, there's the death of a spouse. And so, you know, when we look at our primary relationships, they can impact us in a very significant way. Right. One of the most significant things about being a human being is we're all separate. And that's a very painful condition for us. And if you if you look at an animal and they get scared, they usually run to a place. They'll run up a tree or to a den. But a person will run to a person. Mm-hmm. And to the to the impact that we have of how connected or how healthy those bonds are to the people that we can run to directly impacts our physical, emotional, and mental health. So bonded couples actually regulate each other's biorhythms. And, you know, you've heard the term separation anxiety. Yes. And so much of the younger generations are dealing with so much separation because of COVID, because of electronics. So their their interactions are not just go out in the yard and play. And there's there's a lot of... uh, structure around their play they're involved in extracurricular activities with somebody managing that or their parents are there on play dates and then they're getting older and they're not getting into relationships and the statistics are crazy about anxiety and depression going through the roof and it's really an interesting thing that happens in our body when our partner just touches us and we instantly calm down we we get a little boost of oxytocin and which is the bonding chemical and it makes our depression and anxiety come down. The problem with that is if our relationship goes in a bad direction, it can destroy us. You know, it's, it's so painful for us to lose that bond with somebody that we're connected with, even if the bond is unhealthy. You know, we, we have a puppy, we just got a puppy and we are seeing this firsthand, right? Puppies, they are really bonded to their pack. And so for him, he is really looking to us as being, you know, that pack and that leadership. And one of the things that he is really afraid of is being abandoned, right? And as you know, a human being, we go through the same kinds of things, our attachment to our primary caregivers you know, whether it's a good attachment or whether it's a negative attachment is going to impact our fear of abandonment, our fear of rejection. And so as you can see, he's now exploring all over the place now. (laughs) So two weeks ago, we picked him up and he had spent his whole 10 weeks of his life with his litter. And so even though he wasn't sleeping with people, he was sleeping with his pack. 
And then he goes and leaves his mother and comes to us. And now we're responsible for his life. It literally is life or death for him if we don't take care of him. And we are practicing uh, teaching him how to be independent in his crate so that when we do, we have to go out and travel. He's not freaking out. We can support him in that. And it's really interesting. It takes about three days. And parents have a really hard time with this with their children. And they don't want to leave them. And they want to do everything for them. And that actually makes for a very insecure, anxious adult and depressed because they lack confidence. And interestingly, yesterday, we're in Colorado in the United States, and it's um, very independent here. And we went to this luncheon to support this group of kids that are between the ages of six and 18. And they had this luncheon and all these kids were serving us and they were nine years old and 10 years old and 11 years old. And they had the confidence to come up to our table, ask us if we wanted some more lemonade or iced tea, take our plates. And it was really great to see because where we used to live in Chicago, kids would be hiding behind their parents, afraid to talk to other adults. And you could just see the confidence in these young people. And we're doing a really uh, big disservice to kids who are not being told to you know, face some of these fears go have relationships with people, go talk to people. And that's one of the best things we can do. We're designed to live in a tribe. We're designed to live with multi-generational uh, people and to know how to hold babies and to know how to respect elders. And we've kind of squeezed that all into just a nuclear family at best. And even like single parents and not a lot of support and you can see the impact of that in our culture and in our, in our uh, society and in, even in our workforce. Right. So we're, we're seeing the systemic change across generations as couples divorce more, as community starts to kind of disintegrate and couples are finding themselves trying to figure out how to have a relationship on their own you know, without that, support from community and, and the guidance from community. And so they start to put their children first. And that is really the worst way to kind of role model how to have a strong, united relationship. And most couples now, when they start to get into relationships, they're thinking about themselves first as well. You know, what can you give me? What can I get out of this relationship? versus what can I give? And when you come from that perspective of, you know, what can I get out of it? Then what happens is it starts out with a relationship from a place of uh, not, not cooperation, but, you know, competition. And so when you start from this place of, you know, guardedness and competition, you never really truly let down your guard. You're not able to emotionally bond and give an opportunity to emotionally bond with the person. And it's, it sets up the relationship, you know, to fail right from the beginning. Human beings were designed to experience traumatic events. And I know that's a big buzzword today that I was like, oh, I have trauma. I have this. We're designed to go through trauma. Look at the history of our world, the wars and the horrible things that human beings can do to each other. Right. And all of that type of what we're calling trauma, which I prefer to say uh, tragic, 
allows us to become and find out what we're made of. And there are amazing things that human beings have overcome. So I love watching uh, real stories, movies about real stories like Unbroken and uh, Walk, Ride, Rodeo, nice. stuff like that, where people have gone through these really big events where they've gone paralyzed or they've uh, had severe mistreatment and they become these resilient, strong people that have a great message. And I think that's the biggest disservice that we're teaching people today is, oh, something's happened to you. You've fallen down, stay down. Right. Don't get up. Don't heal. We're designed to heal. We are designed to heal. So if any of your listeners are in a place where their heart is broken, maybe their relationship has ended, or maybe they're lonely because they haven't been in a relationship or would like to be in one. And I really would love them to hear that message that you're going through this for a reason. And if you figure that out, you will become something. So if you think about a compost heap, mm-hmm. it's all waste. It's things that are no longer useful. And if you let it sit properly, it will decompose. And once it decomposes, it becomes very rich soil for stuff to grow through. And the crap of our life should do the same for us. When you get knocked down, when your heart gets broken, those are opportunities for growth and expansion and to find out your resilience and what you're made of. And it makes you capable of being a really good, empathetic, good partner. So you can also join up with another person, which is the most sacred thing we can do on this planet is to really bond and be with another person and let them witness our lives and let us be a witness to their life. And to say to our partners, you got this. Boy, having someone in your corner saying you got this means everything because in our own heads, you know, we hike a lot. We just did this hike on a volcano in Costa Rica Mm -hmm. and it was destroying me. I was not (laughs) prepared for it. It was four kilometers straight up. And, you know, there was one person behind me. We were with a group. One person was still behind me. And every now and then people come back and check on you. And that means everything. Otherwise I probably would have stopped. I probably would have just tapped out, been like, you know what, I'm not doing it. And then you get up there and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And that's, we find out what we're made of. And when we have, there's a, a term called dependent paradox. And when we have another person supporting us, we have so much more freedom to explore the world and to become. So if you think about if you have to walk into a party, would you rather walk in by yourself or would you rather walk in with another person? And if you walk in with another person, you're going to meet so many more people. Right. As by yourself. And then you're all, I don't know who to talk to. It's really scary. Yes, we do look for that sort of person to depend on, like you said, to look for that's going to tell us we got this, that's going to tell us that we're on the right path, they're going to motivate us in a way. Very interesting. And sort of, you're looking at how relationships are affecting us, but how can people that are trying to get into relationships feel like they that's their right moment? Or because not everybody thinks that it's the right moment for them. Sometimes people are like, I'm not ready, or I'm not looking for that. So how would you describe is the right moment that people are looking for? You know, a lot of people have the cart before the horse and they're waiting for the right moment in order to 
to take that risk because, you know, they're afraid of getting rejected, afraid of getting abandoned, afraid of getting hurt. And that's a, a very legitimate a fear. And it does prevent a lot of people from getting into relationships. You know, there is a, a whole culture, a subculture in Japan where people don't even interact with people on a face-to-face level. You know, they stay in their homes, in their apartments, and they don't interact except for virtually, right? And they don't even go out and shop and they, they have everything delivered to them. And, you know, the impact is, is, is far reaching. We, we don't even realize how, how far reaching that impact is going to be. You know, our, our design as human beings is to bond. Right. But we're not really going to know the payoff unless we take the risk. And that is the scariest thing is to take that first step, right? We learn a lot about ourselves stepping into a relationship, you know, and that is really the greatest part of it is understanding who you are in reflection, you know, of a partner. When I was in my twenties, I was a single mom for 10 years. And there was a point when the, the pain of the loneliness was very overwhelming. And when you're in that place, the best thing you can do to soothe that is to become a giver. So if you go out, I remember there was this one Christmas I was going to be all alone. And at the time I was bartending to get through college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to open the bar and I'm going to invite all these people who are going to be alone too. And it was the most magical evening where everyone kind of came together. And I realized at some point in my life, I had uh, my dad and my sister where we would have these really in-depth conversations and I had beer drinking buddies and I had you know, a a cat for affection. And um, I was a mom and I was getting all my needs met in lots of different ways, but I was participating in life. And a lot of people want to sit in their living room and hope someone shows up (laughs) and they sit on their screen and swipe away. And that doesn't make us feel better. Actually, technology moves faster than the human soul. and, And so it makes us feel worse. It makes us feel depressed. So you know, even if you get out and find some way to be useful, open a door for someone, smile at people, get in the habit of interacting, not just to get into a primary relationship, but to have a rich, full, full life of people at all ages. Go befriend the kid next door, go help the old lady down the street, go do something because all of those things are great practice and fill you up. So you're not showing up so empty when you do find a person, because you will attract someone with the same level of health that you have or the same level of woundedness. And the more you work on yourself, the more you show up to meet your own needs, the more you will allow and teach someone else to show up to meet your needs. And being single is a great training ground for being in relationship. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. And I've very good way of looking at it. I don't think many people really see the fact that they're single as an opportunity to learn from it and to understand how it's going to be in a relationship. Um, but definitely an interesting way to see it because I, again, I don't think many people have looked at it that way. Well, thank you so much. And um, to the listeners, I'll see you next time. <laughs>